Also, did bitch. you all think that in a book about an 18-year-old girl meeting a cute boy in a car dealership that we would go on this <laughs> You don't know us very well at all. <laughs> you have not been listening to this show. Welcome back to Hate Spinnerbait, the podcast where we hate spinnerbait, but we love a zip coke, especially when you use that zip coke to hurl it at someone who has wronged your friend. Yes, that's a great one. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm Bethany. If you don't know by now, hi. Hello. With me, as always, is Michael Ann. Michael Ann, how are you doing this fine, beautiful day? I am on my second cup of coffee, and I am arriving. Gonna go get Mexican food after this. With oh, my that sounds so good. I'm getting a pedicure after this because I deserve it. Self-care. You do folks. deserve it. We're all about it. Mm-hmm. Y'all, it's time. Today is a really big day, not only because we are finally done suffering through dreamland, and this book this lullaby, which is what we are starting to read. It's just like such a breath of fresh air. Like it's just so, it's just so it's like so nice. pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> it's so pleasant. It's so pleasant. So we made it finally to a nice sort of happier book. We're reading this lullaby. As we've mentioned, this book is our namesake. So it's got mm-hmm. a special place in our heart. We're doing it. We're traveling back to 2002 today. Y'all know what that means. That means we get some fun 2002 facts. Also, this is, like, what a millennial I am, like, a millennial of, like, our age, you know, like, early 30s, is that when I went to read this book and I was like, oh, let me just, like, remember when it takes place. I was like, oh, published in 2002. I was like, the first post-9-11 Sarah Desson novel. And it's like, why? Why do we all go there? But we do. The second second you see something, oh, this is the first post-9-11 one. And it's like, that's how our life is. Like, our lives are dictated in pre-9-11 and post-9-11. You know what else I thought? Because it is 2023, that people in 2002 can drink now legally. Well, only, you know, we're not that far, which really makes me feel old. But that's besides the point. Mm. But yeah, so people from 2002 can start drinking this year. And again, my first thought was, wow, they weren't even born before 9-11. Like, why do I do that? Why does my brain go there? Everything is defined by before and after 9-11 for me, yes, for sure. Like, I mean, what can I say? We've been at war since yeah. then. These people's yeah. entire lives have been yes, war. That's crazy. There are people who are legally allowed to drink and they're enti- they were born in a time that we were at war and we are still at war. Like, that's insane to me. Same that's war. Insane. Fathers and sons are battling the same war. It's freaking. And I mean, let's not get on that topic, I guess, because we could go. This is supposed to be a lighter book and whatever. (laughs) We've already taken it to 
like geopolitical thoughts on the world in <laughs> 9-11. So, all right, great. We're already depressed. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> but 2002, when we weren't all like feeling patriotic because, you know, it had been a year since mm. that instance. Yep. What else was going on? Let's get in our time machine, everybody. Get in it. We're here. It's 2002. The American flag is everywhere. What else is happening? Nationalism is at an all-time high. Um, So the year 2002 was a fun year for pop culture. We can start off. So the number one song, the number one song was Lose Yourself by Eminem. And I have a lot of conflicting thoughts about Eminem. Like, on the one hand, I fucking love Eminem and I was like listening to his music all the time. And on the other hand, I'm like, this guy sings a lot about murdering his the mother of his child. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of his MO. That part is very disturbing. He's a slightly problematic person, but Lose Yourself was a moment. That's it a was. great song. My metalhead husband, who like really doesn't get into hip hop much at all. Last year's Super Bowl, he was so hyped for. Like, he does love him. Some, like, Dr. Dre. Mm. Um, like, Beastie Boys. Obviously, he's from Long Island. It's, like, a birthright. You get your birth certificate, <laughs> and then you get your love for the Beastie Boys. Those happen <laughs> simultaneously. Uh, so he he does love, yeah, like, some kind of old-school hip-hop. But Eminem's Lose Yourself, like, Mike loves that. Like, loves, loves, loves that song. And it's so funny because he really doesn't dabble in hip-hop. But, like, something about that song to him... <laughs> That's amazing. How old would he have been in 2002? He was graduating high school. So he was an 18-year-old boy. He's literally Remy's age, essentially, because uh, Remy has just graduated high school. So I thought of that, too, when I started reading this book. So, yeah, he would have been, like, peak the right demographic for, M- you know, Eminem's Lose Yourself. It's so funny to think about, like, because I don't really think of Mike as, like, that much older than us. Like, I know that he is conceptually, but, like, you know, I've been working with him. You're married to him. Like, he's just, like, a guy. He's just, like, my friend. And, but when you put it into perspective like that, like, I was in Mm -hmm. the third grade in 2000. No, no, I wasn't. I'm sorry. I was in the fifth grade in 2002. Yeah. And he was graduating high school. It's, like, he could have been, like, my babysitter. (laughs) It's so crazy. I know. It's so wild. Like he really could have been. But yeah, when I think about it like that, it is very strange. And I every once in a while, like again, doesn't come off often, but certain times like this, when it's like, yeah, he was 18 years old, graduating high school, lose yourself was really hitting him at the time. You're like, oh, <laughs> I was in the fifth grade. That's so weird. I guess no wait, the depending. Yeah. I mean, I graduated graduated can you graduate you know what I mean they kind of say graduate elementary school my last year of elementary school was 2002 and I would have started like sixth grade and like the fall of 02 so yeah that's right Mm -hmm. I was in uh I I left elementary school 2003 yeah (sighs) I still have my like fifth grade uh field day t-shirt it's huge they gave me like an adult extra large so it still fits me and I wear it all the time that is, I, you know what? I love that. I love that. <laughs> Look at that. One fun fact, and we've already gone on a tangent. <laughs> okay. Second thing. So some other big songs that are a little bit more, I guess, relevant to our fan base. A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. Oh, so good. A classic. Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne. Another yes. classic. 
And can I just say, this is another tangent, but can I just say that I went on a like deep dive onto the Avril Lavigne has a body double conspiracy theory <gasps> where like the real one died and then there's this new one. And yes. it's very convincing. That is, <laughs> no, that is a fascinating. I've never like completely fallen down that rabbit hole, but I've seen certain things about it. And I think I easily could fall down that rabbit hole if I started looking into it. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. So now I'll, I always like, I don't take it super seriously, but I always will distinguish pre-body double to post-body double Avril Lavigne. <laughs> so like girlfriend, post-body double. Skater boy, pre-body double. <laughs> yeah, this is pre-body double Avril. Uh, funny, my, fa- my funny skater boy story. Well, it's not really my story, but the fact that we were reading this lullaby where the mom gets remarried a lot. My friend, her dad has been remarried twice, I think. And so his second wedding, she was around. Um, obviously, she was alive. And because, you know, like she's our age and Skater Boy was a big thing. And so they in lieu of a speech at his wedding, they did like a take on Skater Boy for like, which is just so like you had oh my God. like, you know, whatever, 10, you're a 10 year old, 10 to 12 year old daughter and you're getting remarried in 2002. She would do some kind of take on Skater Boy. And that's I will always think of that when I think of this song now. So I wish thanks, I could. Katie. I wish I could see that. Katie, I don't know you. No, I've met Katie, right? At your yeah, wedding. I've met Katie. I've met you before once or twice. And I would <laughs> like to see that video. Please send it to me. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's pretty legendary. I wish I could remember <laughs> like any of the the remix, but it is it's very funny. <laughs> oh my god, I love that so much. <laughs> so next up, a moment like this by Kelly Clarkson. Uh, our first American Idol winner, y'all. What a time. Ugh. I was all, super into it. We all it. watched it live. Mm-hmm. We totally, I voted. I I was I wanted her to win. No offense, you know, to Justin. Did you see the Kelly and Justin movie? Did I see the Kelly and Justin <laughs> movie? Can we talk about her skirt made out of ties? Iconic. Yes. And I've yes. never stopped thinking about it. <laughs> They're like, do I still want one? Maybe. Every day. <laughs> We can find one. There's got to be someone. There's got to like, be Etsy who's made a cool, you know, uh, iconic, iconic. Yeah, I voted for Kelly Clarkson. I texted in me and my mom. I think we like went, if I remember correctly, me and my mom and my sisters went to. They like toured. Yeah, you know, they yeah. did like the American Idol tour, and we went yep. to that. And I'm pretty sure. If we didn't, then I like watched it on TV or something. But absolutely amazing. Now I don't even like that show's still on, and it's like for what reason? Five thousand. It's been on like two different networks. It was off there for a little bit, then it came back. I'm like, who's still watching this? But who that first season? God, we were all into crazy. it. Yeah, we were. It was. It took us by. It was a chokehold moment. So some influential movies at the time. One of my favorites that I watched like four thousand times. My big fat Greek wedding. Oh, yeah. God, that was in the theaters forever. It was so good. It's actually on HBO Max, and I'm going to watch it this weekend, I think. It's it really good. Um, the Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. So we got our, our uh, my precious. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and then it was memed to hell and back. I don't even think we under, we didn't know the word meme in 2002, but it was, it was memed to hell and back. It was memed. 
Yep. Lilo and Stitch, one of my other favorites. I loved that movie. So cute. So cute. Scooby-Doo, the live action. And the first Spider-Man. The first out of 500 Spider-Mans. Also iconic, though. Not iconic around the world. Iconic too much here at the top of this episode, but iconic. (laughs) Iconic. Yeah, it was. Like, I watched those movies with my dad constantly. It's like one of my... One of my fave memories of me and my dad. I love those movies. So good. So, I mean, upon rewatch, some of the original trilogy, a little hokey, but yeah. for the time, it was it was very well done. And I was not a big superhero comic book person. And that moment changed my life. That is the moment I became a, a superhero fan. So thanks, 2002's Spider-Man. You changed Same. my life a little bit. Yeah, yeah, same here. Okay, so some, so this is where, okay, let me actually go into some popular toys, and then we'll get into the crazy shit. So a couple popular toys, um, ugly dolls, which were like, I mean, there's no way to describe it other than ugly dolls. It was an ugly doll. Polly Pockets were doing a big, very influential, I mean, they always have been, but now we have like the, you know, minifigures with the rubber clothes. I used to buy those on eBay like you wouldn't believe. (laughs) (laughs) And then I don't know if you'll remember this. This like came when I saw this on the internet. It like came out of the deepest, deepest depths. Beyblade. Bay? Is it Bay like B-A-E or Babe? B-E-Y. Blade. B-E-Y. I don't don't think I do. I'm going to like Google this right now. Yeah, Google it. You might not have been as weird as me. It's very possible. I was strange. I I don't know. I was a pretty weird kid. I'm still a pretty weird kid. Wait, what is this? No, I don't think I know this. Oh my god! Yeah, you like they like fought, and you like like pulled out the like a zip tie, I guess, and it was like and it went in circles, and then you would like battle your friends, baby. This looks fascinating. I'm a little sad I didn't get to do this because i now feel like i've missed out wait i can still find some to the there what target is still selling them i need to go buy some (laughs) oh shit they're still a thing apparently yeah they are available like target walmart and at least online i don't know if you went to a store if you could find it but at least online it appears to be available that's why the newest beyblade burst battle set in 2002 huh wow Crazy. Wow. Congratulations, Beyblade. It's been 21 years. So those are like some big toys of the time. And now let's get into the crazy shit that happened during this year. Okay. Freedom fries. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I didn't even think about freedom fries. That's some crazy shit. That was ridiculous. Anyways. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's just the beginning of the, like, insanity that has been the past 21 years, honestly. Like, I can't even... I can't even. So the first thing that's not super crazy, it's like the least surprising thing ever that probably happened in 2002. Rosie O'Donnell came out as gay. Oh, yes. I recall that. Mm-hmm. Very, very uh, controversial back then to be gay. You know, she had spent the last whatever five years on a talk show being like, Tom Cruise is a cutie patootie. And then we're all like, you did not think that, Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> but, well. Creepy ass motherfucker. Lisa Left Eye Lopez tragically died in a car accident. Rest in peace. Yes, that was a very, that was a sad time. 
Michael Jackson oh God. held his baby over a rare railing. It was 2002. Oh, I didn't even, I, like, I knew it was early 2000s, but I didn't know when. Oh, man, that was a, what a time. Sorry, Blanket. I'm sorry for all of the trauma you're probably experiencing to this day. Yeah. Yikes. And then this is my favorite fun fact. Ted Williams had his head separated from his body to be frozen so that maybe he could come back to life later. What a weird... So many things. Okay, first of all, the whole like freezing your body thing is... Mm -hmm. I don't know why that's been... You know, there's always like this person was put on ice, this person was put on ice, and I don't think like half of them actually were. But first of all, to think that if you are frozen, that you'll be able to come back is crazy enough. But then why do you separate your body from your head? Like, what's that going to do? How does that help? That I think would only make things worse. I like you would think you would need both parts if you wanted to come yeah. back alive later in, in later in life yeah. or later yeah. in the the world. But um, I guess you only need your head. Have you? So interesting. Have you ever watched Futurama? No. I mean, I've seen like an episode or two, but I haven't like really watched it. I watched like, I think like a couple seasons. I'm not sure. It's like one of Andrew's favorite shows. So I remember watching it at one point and they have an episode where it's like a bunch of famous people's heads in jars and they like can talk and stuff. (laughs) I'm just like, (laughs) I feel like there's, like a couple well at least one episode of doctor who where it's like in the future they there's like a ruler is just like a head so I, yeah this is like a weird sci-fi trope i guess is that like you just yeah. need your head <laughs> which okay sure <laughs> i guess you don't need a heart like, or spleen you know like your brain is a very important part of functioning as a human being don't get me wrong but yeah like you need your heart needs to be beating to make you alive so why would you not need that part i don't know sci-fi writers explain me a thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. please give me the lore lore <laughs> um so that's what i have for 2002 fun facts oh, what a year this is so i always make fun of speaking of my husband who is uh as we have mentioned in this episode and in other episodes older than me, I always make fun of him because certain things that he likes, I'm just like, we get it. You're a boy who grew up in the nineties. <laughs> you know, he's like obsessed with Kevin Smith and all that mm. kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, 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 we get it. You were a boy in the nineties. Um, so I was talking to him cause he always was like, well, you grew up in the nineties too. And I said, yeah, obviously like I did, but I was like, there's a difference. Like your coming of age years is when I feel like you can say like, like I was a kid in the 90s. So yes, I quote unquote grew up in the 90s. But the early 2000s is mm-hmm. like the memories I have. You know what I mean? Like those are yeah. the most like important, like the movies and the books and the pop culture and all of that. And the crazy things like Michael Jackson putting a blanket over his baby and holding it over a balcony. Insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those are the things that stick with me. So I'm like, I'm a girl who grew up in the 2000s. So that's what he always like says back to me. It's so, like the other night, for instance, we were talking about um, bring it on. And he was like, we get it. You're a girl who grew up in the 2000s. <laughs> And I'm like, that's my joke. But yeah, so oh. I'm very excited because we are now officially in the books that like, I mean, obviously I've read the ones that we have previously read the first four, but those were all, well, 90s and then Dreamland was the first in the new millennium. But this is like peak 
Dessen. Like this is the peak time when I first got into her. These were this lullaby was the second book I'd ever read from her. So this is very much like right in my wheelhouse. The references, the whatever. Like this is my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is interesting. So we have decided, you know, we were going to read the dedications. And this one actually doesn't have a dedication. It's just like these two quotes. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. And then I was like, am I missing it? But no, I like really searched this book and I do not see a dedication anywhere. But we will read the two quotes, I guess. The first one is, in the depth of winter, I finally learned that within me there lay an invincible summer by Camus. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I think it's Camus. Camus. Kim, something. I think I'm not that's sure. an author, with, and that's just his last name. I was right. Albert. Fuck. I can say it in my head, but then I try to say it out loud. Do you ever have that disconnect? Yes. Um, Albert Camus. Albert Camus. That sounds like it's probably correct. I'm certainly not going to tell you you're wrong because I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> this is another situation where there's a reader like, come on, guys. Come on. Are you serious? I'm that person sometimes where I'm listening to something and I'm like, and I just like yell it out. And I'm like, oh, how do you not know that? So Mm -hmm. I'm sure people are doing that to us all the time. All the time. And I'm I'm sorry. But also, how much fun am I making your drive right now? I can't pronounce it. And you're sitting there in traffic and you're yelling it out at me. So really, you're welcome. (laughs) Also, join our Discord and you can just let us know how you pronounce it. It was $3 a month. You can just yell at me for real then. Yeah. That'd be great. This book is basically set uh, in the span of like four months. It's in the span of the summer between Remy graduating high school and going off to college. So we start the novel in the first month of the summer, which is June. Mm -hmm. A few things I noticed right off jump about this book is, first of all, this is the oldest protagonist we've had. She's 18. She graduated high school. She's like kind of living a more mature life especially then like that summer who she was like freshly 15 so she was very young and then the pacing of this book is much faster yes right and this story this book is like extremely thematic i can like picture every single scene in my head perfectly like this should be a movie i will write and direct it if you want me to sarah let me know (laughs) we're here we're here for you we're here um, yeah, Mike Land's got a great treatment for this lullaby. Um, I'm there for moral support. Maybe music supervisor. I've always wanted a music supervisor. I think that's like the coolest gig. You just that get to pick songs for cool. movies. Like, how does one get into that? Please let me know. Um, so I'll be there to help out with that, especially this one, because like what great music there would be for mm. like a book with like musicians in it. And then I have a really great treatment for The Truth About Forever. So just call me for that one. Um, I'll write and direct that one. And we're great. We've got this sorted. We got this. (laughs) Come on, Netflix. We're here for you, girl. Please, Netflix. I really think we've got this. Let's start. Let's start a Twitter campaign. See if they'll. Hi, I have no experience (laughs) in directing a major film, but I think I could do this. I think I could do it. I'm available. Am I have an English degree? That's the writing thing. I took a script writing class. I I feel like we're there. We took a script writing class, Netflix. Hire her. (laughs) She is so ready. I'm so Um, ready. Actually, speaking of Sarah Dessen being UNC alum and a professor at UNC, the director of Ant Man was a professor at UNC and he taught like a script writing class. So that's. 
that's your little fun fact of the day. There is some um, interesting North Carolina UNC film people out there doing it. So chapter one, it starts off right away. The name of this song, the name of the song is This Lullaby. At this point, I've probably heard it, oh, about a million times approximately. So name drop right away for a sentence. Right away. Yeah, this this is for sure the fastest name drop. I thought Dreamland dropped it fast, but first sentence, we get it here. And I am obsessed with this first, well, I guess secondly, first two paragraphs, because that's the first paragraph. This is something that like very much sticks out. The very beginning of this novel and the very end of this novel, I have like committed to memory. Other parts in the middle feel a little hazy, but this first paragraph, like first couple paragraphs, just instantly sucks me in and intrigues me and I just love it and I want that to be said yes the the first the yes this book is incredible like right off jump I was like wow this the talent that Sarah Dessen has is just like insane but we get to know the protagonist a little bit she has an unconventional parenting situation her father was a musician that wrote a song about her called This Lullaby when she was born. It was kind of his only hit. He was a one-hit wonder. So that's how we're introduced, you know, no dad. And then she is sitting in a car dealership on a plastic chair. (laughs) She says, it was warm, everything was blooming, and summer was practically here, which meant, of course, that it was time for my mother to get married again. Mm -hmm. So this is her fifth wedding technically her and her uh her mother and her father like got married in the desert by someone they'd been at a rest stop sounds kind of like a 70s free spirit i'm doing a lot of drugs kind of situation yep she said she takes on husbands the way other people change their hair color out of boredom listness listness list listness or just feeling that this next one will fix everything once and for all so her mom, the mommy issues in this book are, I'd say, like, pretty different than any mother we'd seen, we've seen so yeah. far for the protagonist, at least. You know, there's the friends who have, like, Rita's mom had, like, a million husbands. But mm-hmm. this is the first time where the protagonist's mom is kind of, like, all over the place. I wonder, and this is something I'd really like to ask Sarah when he, we, you know, inevitably get her on the show. Hi, Sarah, if you're listening, call us. But <laughs> uh, now that obviously we've read a few of these back to back and in chronological order, it is interesting. Certain protagonists will have kind of stories that maybe some side characters have. And I wonder if when she's writing that, she's like, hmm, this is interesting. I'm going to table this. I don't want to necessarily go back to this character but the fact of someone who has a million different stepdads, what is that like? Um, and she kind of comes back to this and this. And also just like we have here kind of the older sibling in a relationship. Like there's some like certain things are kind of like other books, but they weren't delved into in the same way, if that makes any sense. So I kind of want to know, like, is it just a coincidence or is it something that, you know, when she was writing Dreamland, she's like, okay, this is Caitlin's story and there's so much going on here and I really want to focus on this. But what about poor Rena and all of her stuff? Like, maybe I could write a character that had something to do with that and then decides to come up with a whole new world. Like, what her process in that? Or is it just, like, completely coincidence? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we should ask her. Sarah, when you come on our pod... We will ask you that question. We can find out. Yeah, we're dying to know. We are also we're dying to know is, so many things. 
the first, um, we we're kind of saying some things that are a little bit different about this one, which first off the bat is that the protagonist is the oldest we've had so far. This book is also, I believe, the longest that we've mm-hmm. read so far. The other thing that I think is interesting, again, still a younger sibling. She has yep. to be. She has to be younger sibling. But this is our first brother we are getting. So I was like, oh, yeah, brother, finally. <laughs> so I know. Kind of interesting. Yeah, we're getting some more uh, men in the family in this one here. Yeah. Which I totally forgot about the brother. And I have, yeah. again, I, th- I thought I really had a good recollection of this book. And then when I started reading it, I was like, oh, yeah, she had an older brother. Like, in my mind, she was an only child. And I don't know why I remember it being that way. Which then also poses the question. And they haven't gotten into it yet in the first three chapters. And maybe they do. But I believe her brother, they have the same mother and father from my understanding of this book so far and from what I can remember, which again, I couldn't remember the brother. So don't quote me on this, but I think they have the same father. So how does Hmm. the brother feel that she got the song as the second kid? (laughs) Maybe though the father was present for his birth. So he was like, not in a motel in Texas, you know, whipping up a song. He was just like, Hey, here's my son. I don't know. I don't know. Also, like, I always feel like, fathers getting their first daughter is always like kind of a yeah like one of those things like that is the patriarchy yeah yeah all that kind of all that (laughs) kind of stuff like yeah you Mm -hmm. would write your daughter a sweet song and like maybe not your son which is kind of bullshit but that does just seem to be the way it goes in actual famous occurrences of men writing songs about their children it is always about a daughter so yeah i guess Mm -hmm. that just tracks (laughs) yeah 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 it's like that weird thing it's like also that weird thing of like men um showing affection to their sons is considered like creepy like i don't know if you saw this i'm like very online i feel like but i saw that tom brady posted a picture of him like cuddling with his son and Mm -hmm. people on the internet were like making it really weird and like sexual and they were like, ew. ew, this is so creepy. And I'm like, that's his no, son. This like, do you s- this is the this problem. Is the most normal thing Tom Brady has ever done. When he was making out <laughs> with his former football coach, sort of strange. Um, I mean, hey, unless they were like into that. What? But, okay, not really. But just when he was <laughs> on the Patriots, like him and Bill Belichick, like it literally always looked like they were like kissing each other when he'd like oh. go on the sidelines, like after like a big, like, you know, they won a game or something, won the Super Bowl. So everyone just used to joke around that he was like making out with this football coach or whatever, which again, there would be nothing wrong with that except for power dynamic because that's technically your boss. And I believe both of them were married at the time. So that would make you a cheater. But if you just wanted to hook up with your football coach right on, I mean, go but, for um, it. Besides those, those small things. But yeah, Tom Brady's a weird guy. Don't get me wrong. But him like loving on his children is not weird. Like that's no. normal. <laughs> like we'd probably have a lot less issues with like violent men who don't know how to handle their emotions if more fathers were affectionate towards their sons throughout yep. um, childhood. Yeah. So now Just I a thought. Think- just a thought boys need love and affection too and like soft Mm -hmm. tender gentle things like that's fine obviously i feel like it doesn't need to be stated and yet sadly it very much needs to be stated right like the way that you are nurtured as a child should not be dependent on your gender yes yes it doesn't make any sense 100 (sighs) percent 
But anyway, so we are about to meet the new stepdaddy. They, he is the owner of a car dealership. And she says he was the first car salesman, the second Gemini, the only one with money of his own. Which I love. I did like that. The <laughs> did too. Gemini. That's the part yeah. that cracked me up. This me too. Has very good humor so far. Mm-hmm. I will say, like, I have been cracking up quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the main character has such a strong voice, and she's so like sarcastic. And yeah, I was like, I've never related to a main character as much as I relate to Remy. I feel like, even though Jeez. my parents have been married so for good. fifty years. I yeah I when I in rereading this I was thinking of the different like Sarah Dustin protagonists and like I think there's like a little bit I can relate to in all of them mm-hmm. and I was thinking I was like Remy there's definitely some things I feel like I can relate to with her but also Remy is the one like I wish I could be <laughs> like I just yeah. love how like <laughs> assertive she is and like cool and kind of no nonsense like the way she's about to handle her first meeting with Dexter I was like I wish I was that like I don't know like willing to stand up for myself at 18 as she is so I was like god she's she's so cool (laughs) she is I know I know I wish I was more like that is it well I don't know when I became like that because I remember like now and in the past like 10 years I feel like men are mostly like scared of me (laughs) (laughs) I mean I can I can back that up. I would, I think that's true. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So clearly you've gotten there. I feel yeah, like I I've it. gotten much more like assertive with stuff and like sticking up for myself. But yeah, I don't think I was like that good at it when I was a teenager. So rock on for people that figure that out that quickly. Yeah. My niece is like that and she's like 13 and I'm like, hell yeah, girl. <laughs> yeah. She says here. She's talking about how they met, which was when Remy's mom wanted to buy a new car because uh, Remy had just bought herself a new car. So she was like jealous or something. Kind of a weird dynamic there that we'll get into more. But so they met because her mom is kind of like flighty, kind of like just is has a flair for the dramatics and is like, I'll take this car. And Remy is more like no, we're going to talk to the salesman. We're going to get the price down. We're not going to just take the car at the face value. So she's talking about how she was talking to the salesman, asking him direct questions, which made him nervous. He kept glancing past me at her as if I was some kind of trained attack dog she could easily put into a sit. I'm used to this. It's like she's, I mean, right off the bat, we're seeing that she's basically her parents' parent. Mm-hmm. And has been. He says here, I am my mother's business manager, therapist, handyman, and now wedding coordinator. Lucky, lucky me. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, oh, yeah, that's. Which Yikes. again is a little bit of Scarlet from someone like you, where she seemed to be mm-hmm. more the mom than her mother. And that's another thing that I was like, oh, was that like a, a concept that she really was interested in and was like, I want to revisit that and then made this character. But yeah, we're getting a little bit of that, which we kind of gotten in the past. But because Scarlet wasn't the protagonist, because that mother-daughter relationship wasn't the exact main point of the story, you didn't get into as much. So now it's like we finally get to really, you know, get our hands dirty with it, so to yeah. speak. <laughs> yeah, which I'm really excited about. I think this is going to be a really fun read. <laughs> so it's, you know what the worst part of this is? is being her mother's therapist. Yeah. There is like 
nothing worse than being a kid and having to be your parents like therapist it's like I'm my brain's not even fully formed and you're dumping all this stuff on me I don't know how to process or or handle this at all but obviously Remy figures it out she's I'm amazed she's like so I mean obviously she has her she has her own hangups and stuff but I'm amazed she's so like you know like together able to to function as she can considering like all the the stuff she's kind of had dumped on her I was like wow I'm amazed Mm -hmm. how like with it you are girlfriend yeah she's like very organized no nonsense so Don is described as a portly guy with an ample stomach and a bit of a bald spot the word doughy came to mind but he adored my mother so that's good at least so we have kind of this like older, I picture him as like just a typical car salesman, random guy. That's yeah. just like, yeah, sure. I'll marry you. So she's talking to him about the wedding, just the, the last couple things she needs him to do some money she needs from him to pay the caterer. And then she finishes up with him and she walks out of the office and he has to handle a sales situation with a woman who seems like she really does not want to buy that car, but Run, she's going to get she's going to get talked into it, I guess. I also so when she's walking through the dealership, she sees a wait, hold on. No, she's still in his office and she's looking out the window into the showroom and she sees a woman with a toddler and she says she took them the keys as the kid tucked on her, tugged on her skirt trying to get her attention. And I thought that was an interesting thing for her to notice because it's kind of reflective of her probably trying to get her mother's attention her whole life. And obviously she never got her dad's attention. So um, except for that one song. So that's kind of like a key into what we're going to see more and more. Well, of also story. to clarify, her dad is dead. So like, yeah. she literally can't get his. I don't because I was like, did yeah. he say that at the top? I mean, I'm sure most of you have read this, but yeah, he wasn't around the first whatever year or two for life. Had this hit song about her, even though he never met her, and then he passed away. So like, yeah, this song is literally all she has of this guy because she never got yeah. to know him. And right. it sounds like any time, which I don't know how how often. I mean, obviously she probably doesn't ask her mom anymore, but. Mm-hmm. When she was younger I'm sure she was curious and it sounds like her mom like she was asking about you know him or whatever their relationship and the one thing her mom was like it was the 70s you know like it sounds like her mom like doesn't really like get into it with her which if you never knew the guy like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know then your mom can't even like tell you anything about him like that's yeah kind of tragic and it seems like doesn't want to tell her like it's kind of like yeah. her mom you know, has a husband and then kind of moves on. Yeah. Keeps going to the next thing. Doesn't really like hold on to any any feelings from the past. At least that's what it seems like so far. Right. So once she's done with him, she leaves. Poor Ruth is brought into his office looking nervous. She does not want to buy a car, but she's gonna. And then he she remembers halfway across the showroom that her mother wanted her to remind Don about cocktails tonight. So she kind of turns around and goes and sits back down outside of his office to wait for him. And 
this is like another sad look into her life. She's like the day after my high school graduation. And here I was not beach bound or sleeping off a hangover. Like everyone else, I was running wedding errands, like a paid employee while my mother lay in her king size, sealy posturpedic with the shades drawn tight, getting the sleep she claimed was crucial to her creative process. And that, that, yeah, I know. I was like, what? Yesterday was your high school graduation. And yeah, this is like, your first day of your last summer and this is what you're doing and yeah your mom can't even be pop like she's she's getting to to you know rest up and have a little lion and you're the one who's running around doing this yeah, like you're she couldn't even be bothered to like pick up the phone and call her future husband to be like hey don't forget we have drinks tonight right. her daughter yeah. has to the go to his office exists, ma'am <laughs> right could, you could easily Oh, yes, yes, yes. Could you just I'm just em- envisioning this woman like laying in bed being like, yes, and tell him about the drinks tonight. <laughs> yes. No, just like you call him in a luxury. Like, that's yes. what I imagine. Like, just the most dramatic thing ever. Um, and she says, and that was all it took to feel it. That slow simmering burn in my stomach that I always felt when I let myself see how far the scale had tipped in her favor. It was either resentment or what was left of my ulcer or maybe both. Like, also- she's. She's 18 and she's already had an ulcer. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, she's so stressed out from taking care of her mom all the time that she got an ulcer. Like, that's yep. just. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Zuko let out a little barky bark. He also is very frustrated about all this. Yeah, he is. He's like, come on, Mrs. Remy's mom. Come on, Barbara Starr. I believe that's her uh, name. Great. Thank you. I was like, she gets a name. I'm pretty sure. Right? <laughs> And this is uh, when we meet Dexter. Yeah, so we have our, our meet cute, as they call it in the biz. <laughs> and I, this meeting is honestly very funny. Um, I feel for Dexter. I, I think he is a great guy and he's, he's coming on a little strong. But also, uh, having been, you know, Remy in this situation where it got, you're just like, what the, like get out of here. No. Um, mm-hmm. I also completely understand why she reacted the way that she did. That it's basically... An- go ahead <laughs> it's like annoying how charming he is because i want to be like yeah remy tell this guy to f off but then i'm like oh but he's kind of funny like he's kind of funny like he's, he's like <laughs> he's really likable that's the thing if he was doing this like because he was like trying to be charming and like trying to like like if he was doing like a pickup artisty way i'd be like this douche nozzle but I think this is genuine sincerity. Like, I just mm-hmm. think that this is how he is. And he really did just see her across the showroom. And it's like, I'm going to shoot my shot. Like, I just think that's all genuine. And that's what makes it kind of like, damn it. I kind of like you, even though you're coming on like really hard here, dude. And you need to like calm down a little bit. <laughs> this is like so far the most likable love interest that we've had in a Destin novel, I think. Yes, for sure. Oh, Dexter. Bless him. Yeah, he basically plops down next to her and he ends up like hitting the chair, which like hits her her elbow um, and hurts because anyone knows that when you hit your funny bone, it is anything but funny. So she <laughs> was very pissed. So the first thing she literally says to him is what the hell? Um, because she is very annoyed. And he just comes in like sunshine and rainbows and is basically like, 
uh you know the thing is he said as if he'd been discussing the weather road politics i saw you out in the showroom i was over by the tire display i just thought to myself all of a sudden that he had something in common oh I'm sorry um oh yeah no this was what i said sorry i just thought to myself all of a sudden that we had something in common a natural chemistry if you will and i had a feeling that something big was going to happen to both of us there we were in fact meant to be together like he just comes over and says <laughs> that to her and you're like wow dude that's a lot but i just think he really is like genuine about it. So it's just like, oh, it's kind of sweet. Even though like, dude, calm down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he goes on to see like, she's like, you slam me into a wall. Like what the hell? And he's like that. He said, lowering his voice and leaning closer to me was an accident, an oversight, just an unfortunate result of the enthusiasm I felt knowing I was about to talk to you. It's like, oh, he's like, plays it off so well. He's so smooth. He's so, yeah, smooth. He's so smooth. He's so smooth. And yeah, she's all go away to him. And then this is my favorite. This again, just a great little like funny moment. So now her about to be new stepfather's theme song is on. It's the Don Davis Motors theme song, which car people like car commercials do always have like the damn catchiest little jingles. So he says that um, from now on and forever, he pointed up again, jabbing with his finger. This will be our song. <laughs> I <just laughs> love that. <laughs> And I was it's like, all, oh, God. <laughs> it's also funny because she's saying that the speaker was, like, popping as if close to short-circuiting. And it was, like, hissing. And, um, like, it sounds horrible. Like, it doesn't even sound yeah. good. And he's like, this is our song. <laughs> yeah. I was. I thought that was so funny. Like, she is annoyed by the speaker and this <laughs> dumb jingle. And he's like, this is our song. Like, he's just, like, <laughs> he's just so, like... And the, you know, romance of it all. And she's like, she literally says, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Which, yeah, she is not having it at all. And then he, and then Don comes out of the office. So she tries to go, like, talk to him. And uh, Dexter grabs her hand and starts writing his number on her hand. And she's like, whoa, there, buddy. Don't touch me. I didn't tell you you could touch me. Which, honestly, good point. Yeah. That I do think is a little too far. Everything else I was with you on, Dexter, but you can just like grab somebody's hand. That's not right. okay. And write on it. Like, yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Write on it. Like, no, too far. Too far. Yeah. But harmless, I guess. You know, there wasn't a bad intention there. It was just a misstep. Right. Um, I wrote LOL here, but I'm trying to figure out what I'm LOLing about. <laughs> oh, oh, it's she sees him trying to get into the van. And every time he touches the handle, his friend drives a yes. little bit so that and like and it's just like over and over again. And I thought that was so funny. My brothers have done that to me before. But imagine like seeing this goofball who just hit on you, like shot a shot, go out to his friend's car. Right. To, like, totally fucked with like that was really that was a really funny scene. You're like he just had this whole like smooth operator moment. Yeah. And now he looks like a damn fool. It's <laughs> just very the timing of it is really great. We don't get like a ton of the bands so far in the first three chapters. Um, we get to meet another member coming up here in a little bit. But I remember when growing up reading this, like that was one of my favorite dynamics was like their friendship. And it was just so the definition of like boys will be boys, but in like the not bad way and the actual way, like them doing dumb shit like that. And just like they seem to be like genuine friends just genuine like dumb asses but in a very like low they were like himbos before we all had that term kind of yeah like, some of them are <laughs> and i love them for it like they're just all very i don't know endearing to me they are they are 
So then she gets home and there's papers strewn all over the place because that's like her mother's process, I guess. She like writes and then rips it up or crunkles it up and starts over. So she starts picking up the pieces of paper and kind of reading them. And honestly, there's like a little snippet of her story in here. And I was like, I'd read this. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, I love a good romance novel. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Especially like a, I'm a hardworking woman who loves a challenge and I'm meeting this guy and I'm rich and he's rich. It's like, ooh, what a fun like place to put yourself in because I'll never be rich. (laughs) So So what a great magical world I can imagine if I was rich. Mm -hmm. Did you know, this is a tangent, I'm so sorry, y'all. Did you know that the um, wealth gap right now between mm-hmm. the rich and the and the poor is actually worse than it was before the French Revolution in France. So what you're saying is viva la revolution and we should 100% start riding in the streets because I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to overthrow some but we yeah. don't have a monarchy, but I'm ready to like overthrow some people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I was cuz I I it like really hit me how I mean, it always hits me how much of a gap there is because I'm living with my mother-in-law and I'm, like, struggling through life. And then, like, Kylie fucking Jenner is wearing, like, a lion's head on her shirt at a friggin' fashion show and Doja Cat is covering herself in red <laughs> crystals. It's, like, hand put on. Like, wh- what? Like, it, you're just sitting here, sitting here, like, freaking out over my $200 cell phone bill well, these women are out here living like that. Like, God, right? It's like, I know. We, it depresses me when you have to sit there and be like, okay, I spent, like, I was thinking about when I went to pick up my prescriptions the last time, which obviously are mm-hmm. for a decent, like, you know, it's like a three month, whatever. So that way you're not like constantly having to refill your prescription. You pay it, you don't have to worry about it for three months. And most of the time, my prescriptions, also, this is the most like, I'm in my 30s because I'm like, my prescriptions. Um, <laughs> the medicine I'm on but most of my things aren't usually like aren't all at the same time I go to get it done but the last time I went and did it I had like two prescriptions to fill at the same time so they're both 90 day prescriptions and they told me the price and it wasn't even that unreasonable y'all like it wasn't like that's three thousand dollars like I have good insurance <laughs> like I'm there and the one thing I get is a generic medication and they told me the price and I was like Jesus <laughs> like like I was like okay yeah I'll pay that but then oh god and then you like start like budgeting in your mind like all the things you have to spend in the next week and it like stresses you out and then yeah like people out there are just like taking their private jet to go get whatever sushi in japan for the day right and you're like fuck you (laughs) yeah you're like seeing elon musk and i hate to say it taylor swift taking like 10 minute airplane rides and you're like are you kidding me right now like oh it makes me so First it of all, so screw you and your richness. Second of all, do you hate the environment? That is not yes. necessary to be taking a private jet for literally no reason. For no right. reason. Right. Like, and that's the other thing is like the planet is dying around us and you guys are doing you have like Elon Musk. Elon Musk has enough money to help mm-hmm. these situations. Like yeah. 
He even did his like, I'll give the UN money to end world hunger or whatever. And he that would have cost him less money than his stupid fucking buying Twitter cost. Yep. And he didn't do it. But he bought Twitter because he doesn't like that people can make fun of him. Can you imagine like, yeah, having that kind of money and instead of being like, look at all the good I could do with this money. Look at the housing I could provide people. Look at the food I could give people. I could provide clean. Again, there are people in this country this country that don't have clean water like Mm -hmm. get the fuck out of here and instead of being like i can make sure everyone in this country and probably the world has clean water you're like i'm gonna buy twitter because i'm mad when people pick on me like i can't fathom that (laughs) like i have very thin skin but not thin enough that i'd be like i'm gonna pick that over ending world hunger (laughs) right like there's if I had that much money, like Lizzo tweeted the other day and was like, what would you do if you suddenly became rich? And I'm like, pay off all of my debts and all of my friends' debts. Yeah. Like my that's... first thought is always like, I could help my sister who, my my middle sister, Sarah, worked very, very hard to become an occupational therapist. And she is really great at her job, but that put her in a hell of a lot of debt. Because if you go into any kind of school, especially anything in the medical field that you're going to need more years in school, it costs a lot of money. And my first thought is always like, man, if I like were to get any kind of lump sum of money, I would like pay off any debts that I had. And, you know, like me and like my cat or anything. And then I was like, I would pay off my sister's student loans. Like that'd be the first thing I did. And I was like, what a world we live in. (laughs) Like that's your first thought when you get a lump sum of money is not like I would go to Europe for like some extravagant thing. It's like, I just want to pay off my family's (laughs) student loans. (laughs) Yeah. I just want to pay off my debts and maybe buy my own house. That's in like, I don't even need anything like three bedrooms max. Like I'm not talking talking anything crazy. I'm talking like a standard house. Also, did y'all think that, in a book about an 18-year-old girl meeting a cute boy in a car dealership that we would go on this <laughs> Talking about if wealth you didn't disparity. Think that, you don't know us very well at all. <laughs> you have not been listening to this show. I know. Also, it's like such a feel-good, and I'm like, did you know the wealth disparity in this country? <laughs> Again, twice we have been like, you know, they're like, oh my god, this is going to be so much lighter. And then immediately I brought up 9-11, and now we're talking about <laughs> at the end of the day we are millennials and yeah, this, our this lives are happy this yeah is this this is again. just it's just what it is people is yeah and also again like i'm not i'm not saying i'm like a minimalist by any means like i love mm, shopping same that's a problem actually and i yeah. do but like that's the thing. When I think about getting rich, it isn't like, oh, and then I could buy, you know, like all these fancy designer brands. I'd be like, oh, I just like wouldn't have to budget for the next time I made my her universe purchase. Like I could just go yeah. buy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, like I, I need would- a, I need a new pair of American Eagle leggings so bad. And I'm just like, I don't know how to spend this $38 on these leggings. Like I would just buy American Eagle clothing and I don't need anything crazy. Right. And I would continue driving my little Honda Civic. I would just buy like a newer one every, you know, years or whatever, few years. But I wouldn't suddenly be like, I need to go buy, I don't know, like a Tesla or something. I would just be like. First of all, do you want to blow up in the middle of the fucking highway? No. Exactly. And I will say I had a Honda Civic the entire time I was living in Florida. I love my Honda Civic. I traded it in for a Honda CRV. And um, I continue to love it. Hondas are great. Hondas this is your sign. I will, 
never buy something that is in a Honda. I think for the rest Same. of my life. Like I, once you go Honda, you don't go back. Remy drives a Honda Civic. She's a smart oh, girl. She's Sorry, a smart girl. So yeah, here we are in the fantasy of being rich with yeah. Barbara Starr's romance novels. I guess to get back to get back into this book <laughs> now that we've fantasized about paying off debts and friends and family soon. Upgrading loans. our Honda Civics. <laughs> yeah. I just want everyone to know if Mike Lane and I ever become rich in a, in a time where we could just, you know, upgrade our Honda Civics every five years or whatever. What a dream. What um, a dream. That anyone who listens to this podcast, if you have student loans out there, I'd also pay off your student loans. Okay. Yeah. So you're welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you like can't, that was like another, like when Brittany, Brittany Spears is going through a lot. Okay. But yes. I remember during the 2020 pandemic, she was like giving out money and stuff. Like, yeah, I, I just don't understand how you could, especially in a time of crisis, like how you can just hoard your wealth like that. Like, it, I wouldn't stay rich because I would be giving my money away all the time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to the book. Chris, which is her brother. So she comes in. Her mom is clearly writing again, which makes Remy happy because she knows that. Her mom's editor has kind of been like, you know, breathing down her neck. So Chris is ironing on the kitchen table. And this is when we get to learn a little bit about him. Essentially, it seems like he was maybe not the best in uh, his younger days. He had a little bit of a delinquency problem. He had a he had a couple of few big breaking entries, which were plea bargained. One DWI, dismiss, and one possession of a controlled substance, community service, and a big fine, but just by the skin of his teeth. But the party bus did him in, and he did jail time. Only three months, but it scared him enough to shape up and get a job at the local Jiffy Lube, where he met Jennifer Ann, where she brought her Saturn in for a 30,000-mile checkup. So he's dating this new girl who seems like she's someone who has taught him new terms like networking and multitasking and smart casual. So she's you know, trying to kind of, she seems like a self-help, like, person who goes to the bookstore and reads self-help and is like, I'm, you know, like, it seems like she read The Secret, you know, and she was like, mm. I'm going to turn into a great person and whatever. Mm. And she's trying to teach her brother kind of the same thing, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. So he went from being kind of a juvenile delinquent to now he's dressing up a smart casual to go to a, a, a dinner engagement or whatever. Yeah. I, it says here that he, uh, that she just, that Jennifer Ann describes Chris's job as a multi-level automotive lubrication expert. Yes. And this whole section, I was like, I wrote move over Chris Kardashian. There's a <laughs> new manager in town. <laughs> like this yes. is some intense stuff. She, she seems interesting. I mean, I'm all about someone trying to like, I don't know, better than so. I mean, I guess Chris is doing better than he was when he was serving jail time, right? So, oh, absolutely. You, you know, good on you for that, Jennifer Ann. But she does seem like a she's, she's very type A. Yeah, very yes. stick up her ass, probably, but mm-hmm. probably gets shit done. I also want to mention that <laughs> um, Remy is talking about how slow Chris is at ironing. Like he's just like incredibly slow, and she says, um. She says he was a really slow ironer to the point that more than once I just jerked it away, unable to stand how long it took him to just do the collar. The only thing I can't stand more than seeing something done wrong is seeing something done slowly. And 
I've never related to something so much in my life. There is so many times where I'm like, just, just move. I just need to do this quicker and better. Um, and I was like, yes, that, yes, Remy. Yes. You're like, I feel that on a whole I feel that level, on a Remy. Spiritual feel level. My, I feel that in my soul. Then we learn a little bit about the they're kind of like growing up and how essentially obviously her mom wasn't barbara star romance novelist all the time and again even now people probably think she's like made of millions and it's like no she she does well for herself like obviously but she's not where am i at i just closed the book uh so yeah so we're going back to how we're learning a little bit about their growing up and she talks about how um that back in the day when they were like really not well off to do that her mom was teaching at the local community college, which play, paid practically nothing. And they were living in a series of nasty apartments with names like Ridgewood Pines and Lakeview Forest, which had no lakes or pines or forests anywhere to be seen. And I underline that because yes, why are they like developments and apartment complex, like always name things like that, like Lakeview fine forest whatever and you're like there, no there's not a lake there's not a forest and that just cracked me up i was like yes thank you someone said it <laughs> there are never any lakes or forests um but yeah her mom always kind of had like expensive taste and uh that's how we kind of learn how Remy got her name which apparently was like a uh, why can i never say this word cognac that she is like the name of a cognac that she liked like an expensive one um which i think is a very funny or well actually she'd only seen it advertised in harper bazaar and that's how she ended up getting her name but i thought that that was hysterical because i was like that's how she got her name i like the name Romina. right and her brother is named after her mother's favorite saint so yeah it's like <laughs> They were very named very differently. I also mm -hmm. think it's fun that like every Sarah Destin novel so far, you get to know like that it's a kind of common thing is to like how the main character was named and why their sibling was named what they were too. And I just think that's kind of a like yeah. funny little thing that she always includes, which I like though. It tells a lot about not only the character themselves, but also like their mothers and like why they would have chosen to name them that. Yeah. And kind of like their upbringing and their family life. Yeah. She talks about how um, her brother and her used to bother their mother while she was writing. So her mother bought one of those like beaded curtains. And so yes. whenever the curtain was down, they knew like, do not go near me. I'm writing. Um, and I've always wanted one of those curtains for a doorway. I'm just like, I want one of those so bad. I had one briefly when I was probably, oh. Bless Another you. sneeze. Sneeze, sneeze count. count, everybody. Someone give us an update on the sneeze count. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my sister Sarah and I, when we shared a room, we had one in our like bedroom door. So when the door was open, you would like go through it. And then obviously when the door was closed, it just kind of hung by the door. But um, it was blue beads with like little, oh my God, another one, oh. with little butterflies. And I did think it was the coolest thing. And reading this, I was like, man, I kind of want a beaded curtain again. Like those were really great. <laughs> They're really cool. And when I get my own place again, I am definitely going to get one as like a celebration. I'm I'm putting that on the list of housewarming gifts now. If you just randomly get sent to you a beaded curtain, you'll know why. <laughs> instantly be transported back to this conversation and be like, oh, yes. Uh, oh, geez. But she kind of talks about how, like, 
though that beaded curtain was kind of magical to her when she was younger and she would sit there listening to her mom click clack on the um, typewriter that she uses and kind of play with the beads. And she said that it, it, I could peer through them and still see my mother, but now she looked almost exotic, like a fortune teller or a fairy, a maker of magic, which was what she was, but I didn't know it then. I was like, wow, that's so nice. Right? That's very sweet. And she talks about how that sound of her mom click clacking on her um, typewriter was a song of her youth, which again, beautiful. Wow, we only made it through chapter one. Wow, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have only made it through the first chapter and we are over an hour into recording. Typical. Okay. Chapter two. Let's hit it. Um, Chapter two. Uh, so it starts off with Ermi saying it was time to jump Jonathan, which is when we get to learn quite a few things here in chapter two. We get to meet like her little girl group of friends, which love that. And we get to learn kind of Remy's like outlook on dating, um, which honestly I think is fair. Like she is about to yeah. go cross country to Stanford. She doesn't seem like it, she's that serious about this guy. Um, the more we kind of get to learn about Jonathan in the chapter, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, why are you still with him? Please yeah. back with him. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I think this is a common thing when you're ending high school that unless it's, like, a very serious relationship where you're willing to give it a go long distance, it is kind of almost like, you know what? This is our last summer. Let's just go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off now. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, we can both, like, enjoy our time and go off to college with a fresh start. Yeah. So, yeah, but Lisa, who's one of her friends, is kind of feeling a little bit bad for for Jonathan because she's all like, you know, he's just like going about his life and you're about to like break his little heart tonight. But that doesn't quite end up being the case. There's a little bit of a plot twist. Um, But yeah, they're kind of getting ready to go out tonight. This is where we, yes, we get to meet Lisa. We get to meet Chloe and Jess. Jess is like the longest running of the friends. Um. Not the longest running, you know what I mean? The longest relationship <laughs> out of all the friends. Oh, geez, whatever I even said. So we kind of get to learn a little about, about their history. And this is where we also get to learn about their kind of tradition of meeting up at the quick zip. They get their nectar of the gods, as Remy calls it, which is either a zip coke or a zip diet coke, whichever of their choice. And then they all kind of like meet up, plan out their night. And then it seems like they kind of all wind up back in the, the same place inevitably um so yeah so in this chapter we're kind of just like getting ready to go out and meeting up at the quick sip where we get to kind mm-hmm. of meet all of the girls a few things from this first the, this first couple pages first of all they're talking about mr mitchell which is a teacher who stares at everyone's boobs what the yeah. fuck why is that so common I was actually looking up the teacher from my high school who got fired for sending nudes to students on LinkedIn the other day, and I'm happy to report he does not work with children. That is a relief. And also, she's talking about, like, her bedroom, and she says that my mother's house was usually in chaos, so my room had always been the only place I could keep the way I chose, which was in order, perfectly organized, everything where I could easily find it. So it's like... She, like, requires that sense of control and that sense of orderliness. And it's because, really, uh, from my opinion, her mom is, like, so chaotic. And their lives have been so chaotic, both romantically and just in general. And so she's like, I need somewhere where I can chill. Yeah. 
like her room is the one thing she has control over in yeah. her life, which is pretty sad. Also, her and Jess kind of have this similarity. Well, in a, in a way where they both had to grow up really fast. Um, yes. People thought Jess was mean, but they were wrong. Her mom had died when they were young and she kind of had to raise her little brothers while her dad worked full time. And it says Jess didn't get to be a kid anymore. And I feel like neither did Remy. Right. You know, both of them kind of had their their childhoods taken from them. Jess had to raise her little brothers and Remy had to raise her mom. Yeah. <laughs> basically, basically what it sounds like to me. Oh, oh. So when we're at the quick zip, we meet yes. one of her friends, Chloe. Yes. Who is fat phobic as fuck. She's yeah. so mean to Jess. She's like, is that diet? Like, yeah. bitch, um, watch yourself before you wreck yourself. So Chloe and Jess seem to definitely have an interesting relationship. And Remy was kind of discussing how the four of them that essentially they seem to get along best when they're kind of like making, not like making fun of her, like making fun of her in like a loving way. I want to be clear, but like Jess and uh, Chloe, like Chloe seems to be actually like legitimately mean to, to Jess, which I don't respect. I'm like, be a little nicer Chloe with your fashion and your little airplane bottles of liquor or whatever, (laughs) because your mom's a flight attendant. You could be a little bit nicer. So yeah, she was saying that, well, obviously they're all friends that there's some interesting dynamics going on in their little group of friends. I also highlighted this. This is not like really an important character study on any of them, but she talks about how Lisa has a sweet tooth and the same. Um, and she says same. that she was the only person she knew who could discern between raisinets and chocolate covered raisins. There was a difference. Yes, there is. Okay. As someone who loves chocolate covered raisins and raisinettes 100%. If you put a blindfold on me and I did a blind taste test right now, I could tell you what is a chocolate covered raisin. I could tell you what is raisinette and I could tell you what is sun made, which AMC, AMC, I love you. Sponsor us. (laughs) AMC theaters. For some reason, that is what they sell. They don't sell raisinettes at their concessions. It's sun made, but I cannot find sun made chocolate covered raisins like anywhere out in stores. So I find that strange. But anywho, there's a difference between that flavor, the raisinette flavor, and then like a generic chocolate covered raisin. So yeah, I'm with Lisa. Okay, Remy, don't throw shade. There is a difference. There is a difference. Also, I just realized that I've kept saying that this book is thematic. And I think what I'm really trying to say is cinematic. There you go. Yes. That That's is the word the term that I think cinematic. Yes. Both, I, I wrote it, it's it here. Thematic, it's cinematic. Yes. It's everything. Yeah. Netflix. When this movie is made, I'm so excited to see like the quick zip and then like meeting up here and yeah. just all of that. I'm into it. I'm super into it. Oh, so Lissa. L- Lissa? Oh, is That's... it Lissa? I think you might be right. I think I was just pronouncing it Lisa, but I think you're 100% correct because it wouldn't have two S's if it was Lisa. Yeah, I think it's Lissa. So you're she's right. had the same boyfriend for a while she lost her virginity to him they're going to college together so she's gonna go meet up with him at a burger joint i believe and the girl the rest of the girls are going to go to the spot they call it um which is basically a plot of land that chloe's dad i believe Uh, so yeah Yes, it was her dad when they got divorced 
that that was like the only spot that he didn't sell off and there's just a trampoline out there and so they go out there and they lay in the trampoline and it's like a cute little thing um i could like really this was this scene is what really i was like wow this is so descriptive like i could feel myself 18 years old in like the early evening with my friends chilling under the stars in the suburbs like I could really feel and see this scene so well and I was just like wow this this I'm nervous about this becoming a movie though because what if they don't do it right that's why Mm. I need to do it hire her Netflix (laughs) I'm here this lullaby no Uh, this 100% though like this chapter like this scene in this chapter anyways I mean really the whole chapter I instantly was transported back to there is just something so big and also so magical about the summer between high Mm -hmm. school and college because it's you're on this really big precipice of something you know like you are about to all like your group of friends is not your group of friends anymore after this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there yeah. are obviously I'm still friends with a lot of people that I went to high school with, but it's like, it's not that same dynamic anymore. And like, that is your last hurrah. And everything about this just captured that feeling to me, like being 18 and you're old enough to, yeah, like maybe sneak your mom's little tiny airplane bottles of liquor and you're old enough to get into a club, but you're not like really that old. Like you don't really have responsibilities yet. And it just, uh, it just, I don't know, summed it up. So like perfectly. Yeah. Just these like women laying on a trampoline under the, the summer sky, you know, mm-hmm. my friends and I, uh, I had like several different groups of friends, but one of my groups of friends, we did have a trampoline that we like hung out on all the time. So it was like, oh my gosh, this is, yeah, I don't have all of the friends that I hung out with religiously, like every day, my summer in between senior year and college, I don't talk to any one of those people anymore. Right. Yeah. Like none of them. So it's like, it, it's such a magical time that you like can really take advantage, um, take for granted if, you know, if you don't know, if you don't realize what's about to happen, your life's about to change. You don't even know. You don't know everything that's about to happen. Ugh. Man. What a time. <laughs> what a time. What a time. Also, this is the first Destin book where the protagonist has more than one friend. Yes. Yeah, that's very true. So I that's like kind of a like fun a thing little, to see. A little group of girls. And also, it's so true, and this is going to sound terrible, that in like a group of friends, there's like, there's the one that you're like, yeah, I've been friends with three years. Like, this is like, like my go-to person and then you have these other people and I'm not like lessening that friendship but it's just like a different vibe where one of them you're like yeah she says some kind of shitty stuff so sorry yeah she's a little uh, but like we love her you know but like there's always that one that's like that gets you that's like your person in the group of friends and then everyone else you're like yeah we're friends but like there's an asterisk you know yeah we're friends but maybe not forever yeah exactly so yeah, they're on this trampoline, they're drinking, they're kind of like, thank God high school's over. Yeah, she says, this is just the in-between time, I said, it goes faster than you think it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, my one of my best friends from that time period is a father now, so yeah, it's crazy. I can't, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even like, it's crazy. So then they went to the club. It's an 18 plus club, but obviously there are a bunch of hot young girls that flirt with the, well, they don't flirt with the bouncer, but he, you know, 
takes his... Yeah, he kind of flirts with them. He seems yeah. a little bit of a creeper. But they use it to their advantage to exactly. uh, get in and they, they get him to, like, give him give them the stamp that they're 21. Because I guess if you're, like, 21 and up, you get the stamp and that, you know, proves that you can drink or whatever at the bar. Um, and obviously they are not 21. <laughs> yeah. Again, we have a really cute, really charming run-in that she has with Dexter. She's at the bar, the crowded bar, waiting for the bartender to notice her. And all of a sudden, she heard a voice in her ear. It said in a weird, cheesy, right out of one of my mother's novels way, ah, we meet again. (laughs) And then I want to mention that he's wearing a red Mountain Fresh detergent t-shirt. And yep. this is another common thread in Sarah Dessen Media because there was a fun <laughs> shirt in How to Deal as well. Fun that is true. Fun shirts. Men in fun shirts. It's a thing. It's mm-hmm. a, a Dessenism. It really is. <laughs> I also like her. Oh, God. I said, no, it's Dexter. He replied. Like, he's just, he's funny and charming. And I love him, even though he is, like I said, coming off a little strong. But I will mention that he pays for the beer and and it looks like it says, here we go. Oh, he also slapped a 10 down, which redeemed him a little bit, but not much. And is that like a nod to him tipping well or is it a nod to him buying the beers or both? Yeah, I... But yeah, I'm not sure. Again, I don't know in this little club how much a beer costs in 2002. So I'm like, does the 10 cover three beers? Is the 10 just for his beer? Like, oh, I'm buying my beer and like, here's the tip for the bartender. Like, what is the 10 for? All I know is that he's left on a 10. So I'm like, did he buy all three beers for the $10? I don't, I think that seems like those beers are very cheap. If so <laughs> in a small town, well, I don't know if it's a small town bar, but in like a not tourist destination bar. In 2002, I bet a like house or like a Bud Light or something is probably like three bucks. Yeah, that. that's fair. And again, this does seem like it's not like it's a like a nice fancy like, you know what I mean? It seems like it is just like the where the locals hang out kind of jaunt. Right. And there are certain nights that, you know, it's like they have special deals like come buy, stop by the bar by this time and you'll get. So maybe $10 did tip the bartender and pay for all three beers in this place. And a guy who tips well is hot. So hot. Mm-hmm. Guys, if you want to know what is the most attractive thing, tipping well. It's very tipping sexy. Well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you give our, we go out to eat and you tip 25% and that's it. That's, that's it. it for me. I'm in love. I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he like pays for their beer and then she tries to walk away back to her friends and he kind of follows her. And he's like, I'm in a band. And she's like, I don't care. And he's like, really? Chicks love guys in bands. And he's, she says, first off, I'm not a chick. Love Preach. that. Love that. Same. He's, same. Also, I think it's funny that he's like, I could write you a song. And she's like, I uh, already have one. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you, I don't know if you've heard of it. This lullaby. That's about me. Thanks. She doesn't say that, but in her head, I'm sure. So she goes and finds her friends and he like keeps following her and like sits down with them and is just like, hey, guys, it's me. <laughs> um, and I just like love this. This like whole scene is so well written. Like, again, like I'm just blown away by how clearly I can see everything happening in my head. Yeah. Like 
she sets the stage in this book so beautifully. It, it's cinematic. Yep. Can't, can't say it enough. It is. I, the, I really feel like, yeah, I'm just, I'm there. Like when I, when I read this whole bit, like I can 100% picture the vibe of this place. I love when he sits down and he just is like, I'm with them. And Jess says, well, she said, I'm with them, but I'm not with you. How is that possible? <laughs> like, I love, like, I read this book is so funny. And I, I just love the humor in this novel. It is so good. I love how these women, so we've seen kind of in the past, like the past protagonists have been kind of unsure of themselves, kind of going towards like an older woman as like an example of what they should be, um, Caitlin and Cass and, and et cetera. And sneeze count. And um, <laughs> four sneezes. <laughs> um, and in this book, it's like these girls are are those girls like they yeah. are sure of themselves yeah. they <laughs> get that guy He's a claritin right <laughs> honestly yo dude take some allergy meds <laughs> claritin sponsor us but yeah I, they're just so sure of themselves and they, they're so confident and they they just like take no shit and i just really love that about this book it has just such a different feel from her past <laughs> past novels and um and- in my vanity drawer, left drawer, there is an allergy vest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, sorry, yes, getting back to the book, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, it, this is, yeah, she's very, Remy is very different from all the other protagonists we have read so far. Like, I love how. <laughs> is he okay? <laughs> Yeah, she just has, I just, again, I love her vibe. And mm-hmm. obviously, she does have her own hangups, but I love, yeah, just how, and I guess maybe that is the little bit of difference between being 15 and being 18, you know? Yeah. Like you have kind of found yourself a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think that really shows with this group of friends. Yeah, definitely. So, I'm just trying to jump down. So then um, he sits with their friends. He's kind of like, chit-chatting and then they say then the band start they're like okay time for the band so he's like all right i gotta go see you later so he leaves to go play his set and um this is when jonathan shows up and uh we get kind of some information about jonathan he sucks basically he's just like a possessive kind of man's man yeah. just immediately starts drinking the beer thinking it's Remy's, which no, no. He just kind of like as she says, he slowly began to encroach on my domain and I feel like, yes, like you know, they kind of play it off like she dumps people for no reason and maybe that's that's the case, but and this situation I'm like, mm, no, I would dump him too. Like, yeah, I think she has every right to... I, I wouldn't want to stay in a relationship with this douche nozzle. Also, another kind of destinism. I highlighted this because I was like, what are the odds? Uh, so he has... He insists on driving, like, her car, mm-hmm. which, like, ew, yeah. Um, even though he had a history of fender benders and speeding tickets as long as my arm. Why are all men in Sarah Dustin novels bad drivers? Which also, though, I love because the the stereotype is always that women are bad drivers. But so far, Macon, bad driver. Jonathan, bad driver. Yeah, stop letting these men behind the wheel. They shouldn't be driving. <laughs> I know. It's because, like, teenage boys are, like, 
reckless. You know, yeah. that's like the vibe I'm getting. I can't yeah. even really. I always drove everywhere all the time. I think I had my like first boyfriend, Jim or whatever. He would drive us sometimes. And you know what? He almost crashed us one time. So there's something to it. Men, there's something to it. Men are kind of terrible. I mean, if there's a reason that if you're a guy under 25, your car insurance is more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You know, just saying. So she's, he's like, I have to go back to my house for a second. Come with me, okay? Um, and she's like, yeah. And it's kind of funny to me how, like, I don't know if it's just, like, my brain, but it's like, I can really only do, like, one or two locations. I can't keep hopping back and right. forth. Like, you're going all sorts of places. So Also, and maybe this is the, like, living in Orlando in me, but, yeah, like, how how close are these things? What's the traffic situation? Like, I would, no, I'd be like, no, I'm here. I'm going to stay here. But everyone is just like, yeah, so we meet at the quick sip. And then we went to the the trampoline forest. <laughs> Not trampoline, you know, whatever. <laughs> the land, the, the piece of land with a trampoline on it. Now we're at the club. Now I'm going to go to Jonathan's house. And I'm like, Jesus, half your night is spent driving back and forth. But I guess, I don't know, small town, North Carolina, maybe it's those things aren't that far. But The, the dream is like a walkable city. That is like my yes. dream. I want to live in a walkable area. Yes, I want to be able agree. to do this. I yeah, wanna... where I can just be like, boop, 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 and not have to like get back and forth in my car. Like, Jesus, mm-hmm. yes, that is the dream. Yeah, so she goes <laughs> she goes to Jonathan's house with him, and he like starts making out with her right away, and she's like, okay, no, 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 I can't, I can't do this right now. She's like, trying uh, to break up with you, dude, we can't be uh, having sexy times. So she's trying to break up with him and then the phone rings and he leaves the room to go talk on the phone. And when she's laying on his bed, she kind of like puts her hands behind the mattress and pulls out a pair of women's underwear that is not hers. Mm. So this breakup takes a bit of a turn. Yep. Plot twist. He's been cheating on her for a couple of weeks. Yikes, dude. Yikes. Yikes. Jonathan, you're an asshole. So she goes, she leaves. She's like, fuck you. She leaves and she makes it back to the club. So I guess we kind of get a good idea of how far away everything is. Like it took her 20 minutes to get back to the club by taking the bus. Mm. And if you think about how long it takes to just like wait for a bus, all the stops the bus takes, like 20 minutes really isn't that bad. It's not bad at all. So she gets back there and she, before she can even do anything or say anything, she gets pulled to the car because Lissa has also just been dumped and she is a mess. Adam basically was like, it's time for us to make the most out of our lives. I want to, you know, basically sleep with other people is really what it sounds like. Yes, um, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which I guess is fair. You know, that's a fair request. Like everyone is young. You're not, yeah. you know, like why not do live your life, I guess. Even though I do feel bad that poor Lissa got her heart broken in the in the Yeah. Process. It does sound kind of heartless because it sounds like they have been together for a long time and they had future plans. So to like switch it up on her like that so out of nowhere is kind of alarming and I'm sh- there's nothing worse, you know, as Remy says here, there it's she says there is nothing so bad as the first time. And we've talked about this ourselves. Like yep. your first love, your first heartbreak is really the hardest one. Yep. So then they went and got another round of zip drinks. 
Chloe leaves. And while they're driving home, they see Adam in a parking lot. Yep. And it does, like, piss me off that poor Lissa was, like, at the, you know, at the club in the car crying. And Adam is just, like, so unfazed by all of it. And I know, obviously, yeah. he was the heartbreaker and she was the breaky. But still, like, I've broken up with people and I'm not just like, and now I'm just going to live my life. Like, it's still sad. But he is, like, very unfazed. Yeah. He's, like, looking really happy, which is heartbreaking because it's, like, you want him to be a little bit sad, you know? At least fake it. And so they tell Lissa to stay down in the back seat and they drive by her by him and throw their zip drink at him and it hits him in the head, spilling Diet Coke and ice in a wave down his back. Ugh, iconic. <laughs> yeah, I agree. He deserved it. I remember this vividly too from reading this when I was younger because I remember being like, yeah, that's dope. Yes. Yeah. The, all the like quick zip stuff 100% stayed with me, especially them like pegging mm-hmm. <laughs> people with them that, uh, that had done them wrong. And uh, quick zip was also in Dreamland. Yes. Yeah. It has been mentioned, I think, in three books now. So that's definitely like a, a landmark. In, we have to in land. talk to that one listener who says that she has like a spreadsheet going. Yes. Girl, yeah. send me that spreadsheet. Yeah, I need I need to see that spreadsheet, truly. So, Lissa sleeps at Remy's house. She kind of, like, cries, and they binge Oreos and smoke cigarettes and finally put her to sleep. And then this is when Remy does kind of, like, her secret nighttime ritual. Um, she goes into the closet and takes out a hidden CD player and lays there and listens to her song this lullaby and she falls falls asleep to it which does a lot which is we're seeing like kind of behind the hard um surface that she portrays she kind of does have this like soft spot for this song and like the dad she never knew yeah she says that um they did mean something to me nobody had to know but they did which oh yeah it's so sweet another really cool thing about this being adapted into a movie would be somebody re- like actually performing the song yes. would be really cool. i wanna i really want to know what it sounds like like obviously we know the lyrics but i would like actually like to get to hear it like as a song mm-hmm. the old chapter three here we go so chapter three starts off we get to learn a little bit about remy's job which is that she works as a receptionist in a salon a salon that is owned by this lady lola um she kind of jokes around about how she recently gave her a raise as if that's going to keep her from like going to stanford which no (laughs) (laughs) and we learned a little bit about the history of why she got the job which is that she wanted to buy the cars we've mentioned she bought a new car which is how her mom ended up meeting dawn because she was jealous of her buying a new car so she you know, start looking at consumer reports again. She is just like so much. Um, mm-hmm. she's a very like old soul, like wiser than her age. Like the way she handled going about buying her her first car was just seemed very again like pragmatic, and and she's just very like practical and and that kind of um, you know neat and tidy type of of person as we've kind of learned about her so far. 
So she says that she, you know, saved up all this money from when she was babysitting and Christmas money and whatever. And that was enough to go put down a down payment. But then, of course, when you have a car payment, you're like, oh, shoot, I need a job. So she ends up getting this job and she has been working there ever since. And she's kind of great at being a receptionist because she says that she's used to these people, these women who, you know, it's kind of all about them because that's what her mom is like. So when someone calls up and is like, hey, I need to make an appointment last minute, she's, you know, good at kind of handling them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she would be a great hostess at a yes. restaurant. Oh, my God, she really would. Remy, There's... get on it. Yeah, so she... And then she sees a white truck pull or a white van pull up outside and she thinks to herself, like, oh boy, here come the Mormons. Um <laughs> Yeah, me too. I thought that was so funny. But then she finds out that it actually it's a guy, he wants a job. And she's like, Well, we're not hiring, and you're a dude. Um, and he's like, Well, let me fill out an application anyway. And he kind of has like a fun rapport with her too. Like he's a very yeah. charming kind of like um character as well i love when lola comes out and asks about like his experience she's like can you give a manicure no but i'm a fast learner can you bikini wax nope cut hair no i sure can't (laughs) honey you're useless like (laughs) what are you gonna do here for me you know but i love his confidence which again white guy you know like he just went in there and was like i'm gonna apply anyways like why not and it does work like he's so like charming and just sure of himself that Lola's like, you know what? Like, you're no good to me, but the right down the way in this little shopping center, there's a coffee shop, and that person owes me a favor. So, like, that that could be your, you know, your your shot. I also like that. Uh, so he says that there are musicians who've come down for Virginia for the summer, and they're all trying to find day jobs. So yeah, so basically Dexter and this guy, and they call him Ringo. We do learn later this is John, I believe. Um, there's a few of them. I, I'm a little hazy on who else who, but I'm pretty sure this one is John. Um, of course, I remember the redhead because, you know, we got a stick <laughs> Solidarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because, you know, I love Ed Sheeran, my ginger king. So he kind of gives me. <laughs> uh, but anywho, um, so <laughs> Lola is asking him, you know, like, what do you play or whatever? And he says drums. So she says like Ringo. So that's why they are like calling him that right now. Um, and I love this part though. And he's like, exactly. He grinned and added a lower voice. You know, they always put the redhead guy in the back. Otherwise all the ladies would be on me, which he says in a very like, you know, self-deprecating kind of sense of humor. But listen, redheads are hot. And <laughs> I think that Karen is so attractive. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, I'm just saying, I I probably would think that he is the cutest of the band, so he's right. <laughs> I will say Rupert Grint is very cute yes, as well. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some cute gingers out there. Gingers need love too, y'all. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> mm-hmm. So very then true. she's like, "Let's go, Ringo. I'm gonna get you this job." And then he goes a little. He goes up to Remy and he goes, "You know, he's still talking about you." And of course, he's talking about Dexter. Um, he says you're officially a challenge he'll never give up and she's just like ugh this guy Mm -hmm. this freaking guy she is not pleased about that so then she kind of talks about how it's been a week since she broke up with Jonathan he was calling at first but then he stopped Um, and she's just like whatever I mean she's like I wanted this but I didn't really want to get cheated on so I'm not obsessed with that fact um plus it takes the 
control away from her, you know, which is right. exactly something she requires in every yeah. situation. Which again is like why I think she is always the person who breaks up with someone is it's much easier to be like, I'm going to nip this in the bud before someone can hurt me. Like it won't hurt as much as I, if I'm the one who puts an end to it. And even though while she is technically the person who put an end to it, yeah, like she didn't really have control in the situation. She had to put an end to it because he's a cheater. So then it's like, oh, like he got one up on me, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, like she did still kind of end up being hurt, which sucks. And getting cheated on doesn't feel good no matter what the yes. circumstances yeah. are. Whether or not it's like the love of your life or someone that you're like, eh, we're probably not going to work out. I'm going to dump them before I go to college. Either way, shitty situation. So then she gets home and it's wedding week, I think. And she gets home and her mom is freaking out on the phone, screaming, melting down. Um, Basically, the limo service is having some problems. One of their cars was in an accident. So they're not going to have the the um, limo that they want for the dinner tonight. And so her mom's like very dramatic, freaking out. This is also where we find out that Chris breeds lizards. Yes, which is so interesting. <laughs> what an interesting tidbit. I know. When he wasn't busy, I don't know, breaking and entering and stuff. Back in high school, he was breeding lizards. Well, still is breeding lizards. So crazy. So Jennifer Ann, his girlfriend, is downstairs reading a, a book, right? That's titled something crazy. Yeah. It's very, again, it's like very self-helpy kind of. Mm -hmm. Very like how to succeed in business kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. One Um, of those. She's all mm -hmm. about that. And so Remy takes the phone call over. Making plans, making dreams. Yes. (laughs) 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 Love those. So she gets on the phone and she basically handles it. She knows the guy, Albert. Um, They start talking and she gets it all sorted out. And then she goes upstairs to her mom's room and she's like, hey, I fixed it. Um, it's a town car. It's not a limo, but it's OK because we're all set for the wedding day, which is what really matters. And her mom's like, oh, thank you. Very dramatic. Very, very dramatic. Which, again, it's just another example of like Remy having to sort things out for her mother. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Poor Remy. Also, in that whole scene, though, I was like, your future husband owns a car dealership. Can you not, like, use one of the car? Like, of, of all things, cars does not seem like it should be an issue for you here, Barbara. <laughs> right. Like, isn't doesn't he have, like, car people that he knows that he can? Yeah. But it sounds like neither of them are doing anything. They're just letting Remy do everything. So. Basically. Yeah. Nightmare. Um, so she goes and hangs out in her mom's room while her mom's getting ready. Um, Remy says that it takes her exactly 18 minutes to get ready. So she knows she has some time to vibe, which is so funny. Like, wow. <laughs> I know that she has it down to a T of exactly how long it will take her to get ready as well. Cracks me. Oh, I love that. So then she's kind of talking to her mom and her mom's like, this is, this feels real this time. Permanent, you know, it's, don't you think? Uh, so she's saying like like her mom's basically like it feels real this time and um remy basically says that they do this all the time like every not not the first time i've heard this one (laughs) yeah and remy says here i had no illusions about love anymore it came it went it left casualties or it didn't people weren't meant to be together forever regardless of what the songs say I would have been doing her a favor, dragging forth the other wedding album she kept stacked under her bed and pointing at the pictures, forcing her to take in the same things, the same people, the same cake, 
champagne toast first dance poses we'd be seeing again in the next 48 hours maybe she could forget push those husbands and memories out of sight and out of mind but i couldn't so her mother's like love life has really affected her negatively because yeah. obviously because <laughs> yeah because obviously, <laughs> yeah like you know the love that your parents show you when you're growing up is kind of like your foundational understanding of love so the fact that she just like goes through husbands over and over it's like so remy's kind of disillusioned she she's not a big romantic and then yeah, she says I, here sometimes i thought if she could read my mind it would kill her or both of us yeah which, Ouch. Oof. Yeah. Oof, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I like when she talks about, I am so sorry, everyone, for my husband's <laughs> insane sneezing in this episode. Uh, but she talks about how basically the ceremonies are like reunions for these people now. So, yeah, it's like her mom is the only one who kind of takes it seriously. And everyone else is just like, you know, I'm like losing my train of thought. Like maybe we just discussed that and I don't even know. So I'm sorry if we did, but I just, I'm so distracted <laughs> no, by his sneezing. We but anywho, so yeah, just ugh, massive, massive oof on, on all of this. And I can't imagine just having to have that conversation with your mom over like, like this time it's going to be different. This time we're going to be happy. And you're just like, yeah, I've heard that before, you know, and, and having mm-hmm. to, yeah, not, not like dampen her happiness. Cause you like, don't want to be like, mean to your mom and like make her feel like you know she's you know like wrong but yeah having to like keep that to yourself knowing deep down that like yeah this one's probably not gonna work out either mom also can you imagine planning and throwing a wedding more than once jesus christ no that seems like actual hell that would be my version of hell i think (laughs) i am so like everyone's like oh my god how's wedding planning going and i'm like I wish I could have hired someone to do this for me because (laughs) I am, I'm not about it. I'm like six months out, almost five months out. It's going to come to the day and I'm going to be like, yeah, I still don't have all the things I need, but you you need a Remy. Like her mom is probably okay with doing this. Cause like she says, she picks out the fun bits. Like she picks out her dress and the flowers, which actually flowers is kind of stressful, but fun overall. Um, and then like Remy does everything else. So it's like, yeah, of course her mom is okay with getting married multiple times because she hasn't had to do all the annoying, God awful parts of it. Right. Yeah. Cannot imagine having to do that Mm-mm. again. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. So, so then she leaves her room to go get ready and Chris calls her into his room to have her watch one of the lizards. The only one that survived, uh, cracking out of its shell and being born. And I'm like, is Chris on the autism spectrum? You know, maybe. Also, and we can discuss this more because we've only read the first three chapters and we have gone pretty long. But I, people that I have some potential theories about, and again, I can't remember like little small details, but I'm like, is Jess queer coded or is that just me? Am I the only one picking up on that when they like talk about like everyone dating and how basically she doesn't? And I'm just like, is she not dating because she just like, man, whatever it is on the time? Is she not dating because she would like to be, you know, like it's 2002 and it's North Carolina and maybe she doesn't like maybe just about to go to college and like become her best self, you know? So I'm saying mm, she kind of seems know. queer too because she's like kind of I like think- a tough bitch yeah which you know again like not to stereotype 
But like just something about like the little bit we've read of her so far, I was like, am I the only picking up on like just being potentially queer coded in this? And that might just be me reading it in 2023. Mm-hmm. And you know, and like maybe Sarah Dustin had no intentions of having that be the, that at all. But um, as one of my other favorite authors, John Green once said, "Books belong to their readers." And this reader is thinking maybe Jess is about to go to college and have her sexual awakening, and she's about to go move in with a nice girl and three cats and live her best life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that for her actually. So that's so nice. <laughs> That's just what I'm headcanning, but I don't know. Another woman that kind of like helps her continue to raise her brothers and stuff. Oh my God. I love that. Like so cute. I love that. How cute would that be? I'd be happy for Jess. I'm just saying. So me too. That's just, yeah. Things I've picked up on. Yeah. Her brother. Yeah. Like maybe her brother is. And in our version of the first three chapters, we we've made this already we're like well her brother might be might be on the autism spectrum which right on man and jess could potentially be a lesbian so those are just those are just my thoughts that's in my mind you know what i'm, I'm here for those thoughts i'm signing I'm up on that i like mm-hmm. it i like it so far we like dexter we love remy even though we feel bad for her for having to shoulder all of her mother's crap mm-hmm. and yeah i think I think Jess is really going to thrive in college is what I'm, is what so I'm getting down to here or mm-hmm. whatnot. I, I don't know. Did they say she was going away to college? The rest of them, it was like they kind of – Lissa was – we know where Remy is going. I don't really know what's going on with the other girls. I assume that they're probably Lissa all, is sure. staying local. She's going to the local okay. college. Oh, that's right. They did say she was going to the local university. She was supposed to go with Adam, but now obviously they're kaputs. I don't know what's going on with Chloe and Jess, but – Whatever I they're doing, Go I bet them. I bet Jess won't be able to go because she's yeah, probably because still of her brothers, right? Poor Jess, she deserves to get to go off and have her sexual awakening. No, <laughs> you know what? She's still going to, no matter what. She's gonna end up happy in the end, so it's good she for is. her. She is. All right, well, guys, we did it. it. That's the first. This first three chapters we're here we're in 2002 we're living our best lives and i can't wait to see we're only in june the beginning of june so i can't wait to see what the rest of the summer holds because i'm 31 and my memory's already going so i, I vaguely remember i i mostly remember what the summer holds but there are bits i certainly don't <laughs> <laughs> i'm very excited to keep reading and um we will discuss a tentative schedule and release that shortly here it's probably yeah. already going to be released by the time that we post this but yeah that you are listening to this but this is one of our longer ones so this is probably going to be yeah. four or five parts honestly because dreamland was four parts and it was much yeah. shorter so. yeah so prepare for i hope y'all love this lullaby because you're going to be hearing about it for a few <laughs> weeks <laughs> facts <laughs> well, thanks for listening everyone we'll we'll see you We'll we'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you later.